0: This is the John Oakley Show Podcast. And so we soldier on. It is one of those days where uh, most of the conversation is given over to the COVID-19 coverage as it was the day before and late last week. And so uh, because... You see more and more uh, anxieties are coming into play here, obviously, with the numbers increasing uh, in terms of infections. We're watching worldwide uh, have another death report in Ontario, 77-year-old gentleman up in Muskoka, although the uh, medics are not entirely clear if it was a, as a consequence of uh, the virus itself or he was just found to have it uh, after he passed. That all being said, you know, we've talked about the economic implications. What about mental health, though, Uh, as I was musing aloud yesterday saying, you know, sending people into social isolation for everyone's benefit, uh, yet it may be counterproductive and somewhat counterintuitive when it comes to the elderly who need social interaction. So how will that play on the mental health front? Let's find out for sure. Dr. Peter Selby joining us. He's a mental health expert at CAMH. Dr. Selby, good to have you on The Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Well,
0: I I appreciate you coming on. You know, I guess this question of, uh, yeah, in some ways, is it counterintuitive and even counterproductive to isolate people?
1: No, it's not. I mean, look, at the end of the day, the, you know, the idea of flattening the curve and and doing this is the the right way to go. Uh, And I think we have to manage the side effects of some of these activities. Uh, So, you know, and, and you know, social distancing doesn't mean emotional distancing. I think that's important for people to understand. So we have to compensate. I mean, we have developed all the tools to stay in touch with people, whether it's the phone or smartphones or te- digital technology. It is important, and of course, it does mean that we can come into the presence of others under contained circumstances, but in you know, with a safe distance. So. There are ways to show that you care and that you're concerned about somebody and look out for somebody. You don't abandon them. Um, but you do need to have the social distancing. It is it is the only tool we have in our box right now. If we are going to bring this uh, curve, you know, we're going to flatten the curve and reduce the number of new cases and reduce the exposure.
0: Yeah, No, I wouldn't argue with that at all. I'm just wondering if, you know, again... Uh on the one hand you know we do that for everyone's benefit on the other hand you know you don't want to cut people off but you answered that appropriately emotionally we still keep them in the loop that's right and social media lends itself to that for sure uh any other coping strategies you might offer here you know for people in these times uh because of stress anxiety and uh distance and all the rest Yep.
1: Yeah, you sort of break it up into three categories. There are people who simply need to be updated on the information that's there in the news and the public service announcements that come out of public health, and they can look at it in, you know, once a day, and they move on with their lives and do the best they can with what's going on. And they may have worries, obviously, the financial worry, the work worry, worry about family members, and that's appropriate because we are in a pandemic and, you know, a certain amount of worry is actually adaptive because it helps you take the appropriate actions, it helps you avoid dangerous situations, and it helps you plan appropriately for what happens. Uh, the second stage is when it becomes slightly excessive, and we see people starting to panic, and that that needs a little bit more interventions so or what we would call psychoeducation, where we educate people, we understand their fears, and say, okay, now take a reality check. Here's what is happening. Here's what you can and, and can do. And here's how you manage your thoughts, your feelings, what you're doing, and and, ma- and, and be productive through this time rather than get frozen, you know, so because things like this fear can activate your flight, fright, freeze response. And what you don't want it to do is to paralyze you or make you panic to the point where you're doing things that are not helpful to either the condition or to people uh, and to yourself. So that's the second group. And the third group is people who we often forget about, right, from is that People who have pre-existing mental health or addiction conditions, these stressful situations can be very, very detrimental for them, and we need to have a response for those uh, people. Whether it's through electronic means like uh, electronic therapies that we have developed and are available, uh, you know, or or online support groups, or when it when it's really necessary inpatient visits to emergency rooms but we what you don't want is a worried, worried well coming to the emergency room for a visit because that sort of sort of is counterproductive for social distancing uh, but you do want people who might be having uh, really, you know, mental, overwhelmed mental anguish and are not able to, you know, manage to be able to get that psychosocial care or even access their psychiatrist or, or family doctor at a time where they are beginning to have more symptoms of their underlying mental illness.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking that an occasion like this, as extreme as it is, uh, it may amplify people's fragility. Would that be the case?
1: It can, especially if people's, you know, pre-existing conditions and social isolation are in play, you know, already at play. Then, then you know, as, what happens is there may be a further worsening of abandonment. And uh, you know, we really worry about people who are, you know, uh, on the margins of society who've been, you know, already because they are homeless or in, living in poverty or living in shelters. And 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 there aren't, you know, good uh, mechanisms to make sure that they are provided for. So, uh, so that can certainly make people more fragile.
0: Is there such a thing as like mass hysteria or group think that could be a a consequence of, you know, people every day you wake up and you're just bombarded with this sort of uh, the wave of sensory inputs, you know, that are saying how bad it is, how dire and so on?
1: Absolutely. I mean, what you want is to make sure that people digest accurate information, you know, at one time, but not get caught up in the news cycle that's playing it over and over again that makes you, you know, makes you sort of overestimate the harms that are happening to you and overestimate the so, uh, the, you know, and the the problem, you want to be able to take news effectively and then continue your, your routine as much as is possible within what is allowed and make the best of a situation. Uh, we do know limiting the amount of information coming in is actually very protective for not only in the short term, but even in the long term, uh, having, uh, you know, not just for the acute stress reaction, but the chronic stress reaction can continue. So at a public health level, what we really want to make sure is that people really, you know, manage that, uh, that tension and anxiety, normalize some of it, but on the other hand, don't let it get overblown to the point where it actually worsens the situation. Yeah,
0: they're talking about this potentially could go for several months now, the uh, social isolation. I'm thinking uh, rather than sitting at home stewing or, you know, drinking, uh, yeah. you'd still advocate, you know, people, have, as long as they're distancing themselves, you get out, walk, do some exercise and such.
1: Yeah, I can depending on the circumstances, absolutely, and depending on what the, you know, local public health authority has advised and what is feasible, you know, none of it says you can't get into fresh air. And in fact that you do need to get out into fresh air, and staying cooped up, locked up inside for you know is not what this condition requires. So, uh, so I think you need you know pay attention to what the public health officials are saying, and and generally uh, getting some fresh air every day is an important part of it. Uh, having a structured routine through the day that doesn't involve you just spending time in front of social media and or the television uh, is actually healthy. So, so absolutely, you know, and and you know, getting picking up the phone and talking to somebody, and or you know, being in communication through FaceTime or any of those other uh, digital media is actually very critical um, to make sure you stay connected.
0: These are important coping strategies. Appreciate your weighing in. Uh, it needed to be said. Thanks so much, Dr. Selby.
1: You're very welcome. Thank Dr. you.
0: You got it, Dr. Peter Selby, mental health expert with CAMH.